0: Luke chapter 24 from verse 21. I don't know if anyone noticed, but uh, it's the Rugby World Cup. And uh, one thing that I've noticed with regards to any kind of sport is if you want to participate or you want to compete in a sport, there's one thing that you have to get right. Right. And that's the basics. Which means that at the end of the Rugby World Cup, the team that's going to win will be the team that will stick to the basics. Those who get the basics right, chances are they're going to win. Uh, It's interesting how sometimes uh, people try to, you know, have all these fancy tricks and things like that, and then they lose. Because you've got to get the basics right. So, um, I believe when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to biblical Christianity, exactly the same thing. We've got to get the basics right, because the basics actually helps us to, to have a good, solid foundation with regards to what we believe and what we do not believe. Uh, just a quick word uh, from myself uh, with regards to uh, my health on I would like to ask you to please pray for me. On Thursday morning, uh, I will be going in um, to get a suprapubic uh, catheter if it's possible. The urologist, um, I saw him on Monday, and uh, not Monday, yeah, I saw him on Monday, that's right. And uh, so, God willing, this coming Thursday, if it is possible, he couldn't see through the sonar whether it would be possible, so he's going to check me on the table when I am knocked out, and then um, he's going to see whether he will be able to do the the suprapubic uh, catheter. For those who do not know, that's a catheter that goes through the through the skin uh, into the bladder directly. Uh, so it's. Um, I hope that it would be possible. It will definitely increase my my um, mobility. It will not be as uh, as painful as well. So please pray for me. It's not a, a fixed-in-stone thing that I'm going to get it, but I hope it would be possible. It will definitely help. And um, I've realized in my own life um, and, and just living the Christian life that Sometimes we forget about the basics of our walk with the Lord, our, our Christian faith. And we try to get so sophisticated. You know, we, we, um, we look at passages of Scripture and we work through passages of Scripture that's difficult to understand. And when we look at our own lives, sometimes we don't even get the basics right. We don't live the basic things. So, what happened was, as I was preparing, uh, I actually had a completely different sermon uh, prepared, but um, I realized that it was going to be too long. I, um, I'm in a little bit of pain as I'm standing here. So, what I, would, what I wanted to do then was to, to take a sermon that is uh, a little shorter so that um, I can hopefully work through it a little quicker. But it's about the basics, and the basics that I would like to share with you this morning is the basics about the day that we gather on the Lord's Day. In the book of Revelation, it speaks about the Lord's Day. That's the first day of the week when the believers gathered. Now, we read in the book of Acts, the first congregation, you remember that congregation became a, a huge congregation in one morning or one day when 3,000 people, Men were added to the number of the believers in one moment. 120 in the upper room received the Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter preached that amazing sermon, and 3,000 men came to salvation. And all of a sudden, it was a mega church. Just like that. Later on, we read that they grew to 5,000. That excludes the women and the children. It became a massive church. And what they would do is they would gather at the temple. Every single day, they would make sure that they are there for the prayers, that they would be there for the different things that happens at the temple because they had a passion uh, for the Lord, but they were Jews. So until the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, uh, they would gather at the temple, and they would gather from house to house because uh, they couldn't gather at the temple to break bread, you know, to partake of communion, so they would gather in people's homes. But as we continue to read through the Bible, we realize that as time went on, the early believers decided that the day they were going to celebrate or going to have fellowship would be the first day of the week, Resurrection Day, the day when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That would be the day that would be a special day for them where they would gather together together And they would celebrate the resurrection of Christ. They would have fellowship with one another. Because if it wasn't for the resurrection, if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus Christ is alive, the church would not exist. We would be preaching in vain. We would believe in vain. We would have no hope of eternal life. Everything in our Christian walk, everything in Christianity revolves around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So no wonder the early church decided, listen, we're not going to celebrate Sabbath. What we're going to do is we're going to celebrate the first day of the week. Resurrection day when Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And it was a special day through all the ages. I remember... Uh, Quite a few years ago, even here in South Africa, if you can kind of go back in time, you will remember that on Sundays, all the shops were closed. You couldn't even get fuel for your car. You had to buy it on Saturday so that you can drive on a Sunday. Because Sunday was a special day. And you would see masses of people go to church. And it was because it was a special day. Yes, obviously, I mean, uh, the Protestants started celebrating it as um, a Sabbath, uh, even though it's not the Sabbath, but it is a special day. This day when we gather together to have fellowship with one another, to praise God, to sing praises to Him, to listen to His Word, to pray. Whatever we do in this, this worship service is all to the glory of God, and we do it on the first day of the week because it's a special day. It's a day when we are reminded of the fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And it's interesting, when we partake of communion, we do it once a month. But when we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, it's every week. Every week we should be reminded of the resurrection of Christ, this amazing day, because this day is special. And and the resurrection of Christ is one of the basics of Christianity. If you get the resurrection wrong, you get everything else wrong. And that's why there's such a major attack on the resurrection of Christ. Where they say that the body was stolen, that Jesus Christ is, was, was no longer in the grave, not because he rose from the dead, but because his body was stolen by the disciples. The wonderful thing is that we know we serve a risen Lord because we've got four accounts Witness accounts, four of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four accounts of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I love it. So when we get together on a Sunday morning, on the first day of the week, we call it Sunday. I mean, I can't remember how many years ago they started giving it names. In fact, this is just the first day of the week. didn't have a name. Same thing with Sabbath. Sabbath was on the seventh day of the week. All right? It was called Sabbath because God gave it a special name. And and he sanctified it. He made it a holy day for for the Jewish people. And he made it part of the law. But for us, the first day of the week is a special day. And why is it a special day? I would like us to look at it this morning. Why is this day? Why is Sunday morning? The first day of the week, such a special day. Before we do, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it's such a privilege to come to you this morning on this Resurrection Day, the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, when Jesus Christ so many years ago rose from the dead, and when the disciples and the women that went to the grave, when they got there, the grave was empty for he was alive, and he is still alive today. And Father, thank you so much that we can celebrate the resurrection on this day, that we can have fellowship with one another, that we can gather together, that we can assemble on this, the first day of the week, keeping in mind that this is the day on which the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and we can celebrate this amazing day. Every single week. Thank you for that, Father. And as we think about this day, I pray that you will enable us to understand and to take it to heart and just to come back to the basics. Enable me as your servant to teach your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, I believe that the first day of the week is special because it reminds us that our Savior is alive. And I'm always fascinated by this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 24. Because it it is such a beautiful passage of Scripture about Jesus Christ walking with two people, two disciples. And they didn't recognize Him. And when they did, something happened inside of them. So let's read it. Because this is, remember, after the resurrection of Christ... Jesus traveled with his two disciples to a village called Emmaus, and this was about 12 kilometers uh, from Jerusalem. So we read in Luke chapter 24, verse 21. We're going to read up to verse 24 for now. And this is the the two disciples speaking, and he says, We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Speaking about Jesus Christ, they actually asked Jesus, and they said to Jesus, but are you a foreigner here? Don't you know what happened in Jerusalem? Don't you know about that man, Jesus Christ, that was crucified? Of Because Jesus asked them you know, where they were going and so on. So there was this hope in these disciples that Jesus Christ would be the one, now the one that would redeem Israel. But remember, their understanding was not that he would save them from their sin. That's not what they were thinking about. They were thinking of Jesus as a political leader. Someone that would come in and would redeem them from Roman oppression. That's what their expectation was. That the Messiah would come as the king of Israel. And as the king of Israel, he would come in, walk in, be this leader of leaders. King that they can look up to and they can gather around him, form an army, and then fight the Romans and beat them. That was the understanding. So, think about it. We have these two disciples walking to Emmaus, and as they were walking towards Emmaus, they were thinking about Jesus who died. He didn't come to redeem them, He didn't come to free them from the yoke of slavery to Rome, he died. But already by that time, they've already had words that Jesus rose from the dead. But, wow, that was too hard for them to believe. Because remember, and and I think this is something we need to, to take to heart, they were just human beings like you and I. They saw Jesus die. They saw him being taken to the grave. So how in the world can I just believe that he is alive now all of a sudden because some woman came up and said, Listen, we saw him alive. We saw vision of angels who told us that Jesus is alive. So no wonder. They were struggling inside with Is it true? Is he really alive? So, we read, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. He says, yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said, that he was alive. Verse 24, And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but he they did not see. So beloved, it's good for us to, to put ourselves in the shoes of these men because they were normal human beings they were struggling with this idea. Okay, these women saw something, and yes, even the disciples that went afterwards, they saw something. It astonished us when they told us. It's amazing, but there's this doubt. Just like Thomas. You remember Thomas? When Jesus appeared to them, To the disciples at first and then later on when Thomas heard that Jesus was alive and that he actually, the disciples that they saw him, he said, I will not believe until I can put my hand in his hands and in his side. Because it was just too much to grasp, just too much to take in. Beloved, and and think about it, we take the gospel to a world who hates God, who hates God's people whose father is the devil, and we boldly proclaim that Jesus is alive. Don't you think those who are unsaved would think for a moment, whoa, what are you talking about? I've never seen somebody raised from the dead, rise from the dead. How can you just come and tell me that somebody 2,000 years ago rose from the dead and I've got to believe it? No wonder atheists has this massive fight when, it, when there are, um, how can I say, debates. And normally it revolves around the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the reason is because it's hard to believe. It's not just something that you just take and say, oh yeah, I believe it. I believe we need to have a revelation of the resurrection of the risen Christ for us to believe it I would like you to go down to verse 30 now look at this this is the part that really touches me every time I read it verse 30 of Luke chapter 24 now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them remember they invited him to come and sit with them and to eat with them and Jesus did it so he sat down ate with them and this is what Jesus did it says, and he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Beloved, something must have happened right there. Like a little light that went on in their minds. Of course, didn't Jesus do this at the Last Supper? Isn't this exactly what Jesus did? Didn't he take the bread and broke it? But listen to verse 31. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew Him. Beloved, I want you to listen very carefully. Their eyes were opened, and from that moment on, they knew it was Jesus. They knew it was Jesus, the risen Lord. Before that, they couldn't see it. They couldn't know Christ. Because their eyes were not opened up. But here in a moment, when the bread is broken, their eyes open up and they knew Him. And amazing, He vanished from their sight. Now, think about this again. Here they are. They've just listened to Jesus explain to them about the Messiah tonight. explaining to them that he had to die and raise from the dead and so on. And, and here he is at the table and he's having the Lord's Supper kind of, now where he's breaking the bread. And the moment their eyes open up, whew, he's gone. What must have happened in those men's minds? Did we see a vision? Is this real? Were we dreaming? What, what, what is this? Yeah, okay. I, I, it must have been Jesus. It must be the risen Lord. But he's gone. He was there for a moment, and then he's gone. Verse 32. And they say to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us? while He talked with us on the road, and while He opened the Scriptures to us. You see, beloved, before they even sat at the table, before Jesus broke the bread, and before their eyes were opened up and they could know that Jesus is the risen Lord, before that, Jesus explained to them from Scripture, and as He was explaining to them, as He was talking to them, something happened inside of them. They, they say it in so many words. They say, did not our hearts burn? Wasn't there a movement inside of us as we heard the Scriptures being expounded to us and how this man explained to us things that we didn't understand? Brother, this is amazing. What happened to these men? I believe happens to every single believer because if we do not have a revelation of the risen Lord, we cannot believe in the risen Lord. doesn't matter how many witnesses there are. I believe that we all need to have an eye-opening moment when our eyes open up and we see Christ for who He is. Not a dead Messiah who died on a cross and was buried and was in a grave, but the risen Lord. The King of kings and Lord of lords. We need to have a revelation of Him. And we need to have that same burning in our hearts when the word of God is expounded when the word of God is opened up when God's word is preached I believe we need to have a burning in our hearts you see the risen Lord made these men's hearts burn within them when he talked to them and the amazing thing is they walked with him they listened to Him. They actually sat down at the table with Him. But they did not know Him. And I'm saying specifically, they did not know Him as the risen Lord. For them to know Him as the risen Lord, they needed their eyes opened up. In, in theological terms, we talk about illumination, eh? Of the Spirit, It's the Holy Spirit that illuminates our soul. The Holy Spirit illuminates us, brings light so that we can actually see what God has said in His Word and then take what God has said in His Word and accept what He has said in His Word and embrace it. When that illumination comes and when you read the Scriptures and the Scripture just opens up, have you experienced that? Have you experienced that with the gospel? When you heard the gospel and when you got saved, when you heard the gospel of the fact that we are sinners on our way to hell because God is a holy God. And then we hear about the fact that Jesus Christ, the perfect man, died on our behalf, God incarnate. He died, was buried. He rose from the grave. And because He's alive, we can have eternal life. Because He is the firstborn from the dead, we can also be born from the dead. We can be resurrected. Because He was the first one. But beloved, when we listen to the gospel, and we listen to the word of God being explained and the gospel being explained did you have that burning desire or did you have that burning let's call it that burn inside your heart Was it just words that, that passed by As your eyes open up Do you know the risen Lord because it's only the risen Christ that can save. So beloved, the the first day of the week is special because it's a day that reminds us that our Savior is alive. We don't serve a dead Messiah. We don't serve a political leader. We serve the risen Christ, the risen Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords, Master, Savior. Second, the first day of the week is special because it was a day, I say and I believe, of new things. Things that the disciples never experienced before. Because remember, the disciples, yeah, they were exposed to the resurrection of Lazarus. But remember, Jesus was there. And Jesus was the one who called Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. They experienced that. And it must have been an experience of their life. But here, in this situation, Jesus is the one who died. Remember, he was the one who rose Lazarus from the dead. Now, Jesus is the one who's dead. So what happened on that first day of the week was amazing for the disciples and the woman. I'm talking about disciples in general, all the disciples, those who went to the grave and those who were in the upper room afraid to be taken captive by the Romans. A few things happened on that resurrection day. Remember, the scripture teaches us that the stone was rolled away from the tomb, and it was a big stone, it wasn't a small thing. You remember, there were guards in front of the tomb, and even though there were guards in front of the tomb, the tomb was empty. The body of Jesus Christ was gone. Those who went to the grave or to the tomb, they experienced an angel that was there to give them the good news that Jesus Christ was alive. What an experience to have a vision of an angel telling you, listen, he's not here. He's risen. The one that you are seeking for is not here. He's alive. Must have been amazing. Then there's this word of encouragement for Peter. You remember Peter, the one who denied Jesus Christ? And it's amazing how our risen Lord has a special word for Peter. Because, once again, I want you to think about it humanly speaking now. Remember, Peter was this big mouth guy that said to Jesus, you will not die. Jesus had to say to him, get behind me, Satan. Jesus, Peter, was the one who said to Christ that, no, 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 I will never forsake you. Jesus said, you will. You're going to deny me? And that's exactly what Peter did. And when he denied Jesus Christ, the last one that he denied Jesus Christ to was a servant girl. Not a soldier or a king. A servant girl. So think about it for a moment, what Peter must have felt in his heart of hearts. I betrayed Jesus Christ. Now he is dead. I can't even go to him and say to him, I'm so sorry that I've betrayed you. I was this big mouth guy. I've, I, I, I thought too much of myself. I was so filled, of, filled with pride. Please forgive me. Peter couldn't do that. You couldn't. Because remember when Jesus died on that cross? The disciples were standing afar off. Too afraid to associate themselves with Jesus in fulfillment of prophecy, by the way. And here's Peter. He must have been broken inside because he denied Jesus Christ, he denied that he knew him in Mark chapter 16 verse 7 this is what the angel said the angel said go tell his disciples and then Peter by name he says and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee and there you will see him as he said to you. Isn't that amazing? Peter? Yeah, the other disciples as well, but Peter, you specifically, you're going to see Christ. But Christ, the risen Lord, you're going to see him. Just this amazing encouragement must have been for Peter to know I will be able to talk to my Lord. I can't put words into Peter's mouth because Scripture doesn't give it to us. But I can just think if I denied Christ, I would have loved to go to him and say, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. For I've been weak. Beloved, how many times have we denied Christ in our lives? Like Peter did? How many times, through not saying anything, have I actually said, I don't know him? How many times have I been confronted with the truth of God's word and I've just kept quiet? I'm guilty. Beloved, an amazing thing is how Christ, through the angel obviously, has this encouragement to Peter. Peter, I'm coming. I'm going to see you. And we all know what happened to Peter. After he was filled with the Holy Spirit, preached one of the most amazing sermons in the Bible. And multitudes of people came to salvation. But he was the one who denied Christ before a servant girl. And all of a sudden he stood up before all the people in Jerusalem and he spoke with boldness. Why? Beloved, because of the risen Lord. Because Jesus is truly alive and obviously Jesus promised that when he goes to heaven, he will send a helper the Paracletos, and that's exactly what he did. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Beloved, when the disciples got to the tomb, the tomb testified of the resurrection of Christ. Because inside the tomb, everything was in order. You would have expected that the the cloth that Jesus was, was covered with, that it would just lie all over the place, you know, as... Jesus would unwind it. That's not what happened. Everything in the tomb was in order. The napkin that was wrapped around Jesus' face was folded and it was lying neatly. And it spoke volumes about what happened in that tomb that morning. You see, Christ is not a a lord of disorder. He's a, order, a lord of order. And everything that he said he would do, he did. Because he is the risen Lord. He is alive. And he is who he says he is. And even the tomb, the empty tomb, was a picture of who Christ is. Absolutely amazing. Remember that Jesus came at exactly the right time in history? exactly the right period of time when the right people were in charge of the, of the known world of that time, the Romans. Everything fell into place orderly exactly as prophesied. Why would the tomb be different? Why would the resurrection be different? No, it's not different. Because Jesus is truly alive. We read that Jesus met with his disciples that evening, but that evening uh, Thomas wasn't there and uh, he appeared to them. What a shock the disciples must have had when they saw Jesus in John chapter 20. And Then he met them eight days later when Thomas was given the opportunity to take his hand and to put it into the holes in Jesus' hands and his side. For Jesus is not a ghost as they thought. He's alive. He is the risen Lord. See, the first day of the week became special because of the things that happened. So many things happened. Amazing things happen. And then third, the first day of the week is special because the disciples experienced what I call amazing things that impacted their lives forever. Their lives would never be the same again. If you think of the disciples before the crucifixion and you think of them after the resurrection, no comparison. You can't compare this group of people. And what made the difference? What made the difference? The difference is the risen Lord. Jesus Christ who is alive. Beloved, it's very hard for us in our own human strength to do things. But if we do things in and through the power of the Holy Spirit... And we do things because Jesus is alive and he's the one who guides us and leads us as the the head of the church. That's why we could see the major difference between the disciples before the crucifixion of Christ and after the resurrection. Beloved, and it's true of every single believer. Before we are born again, we live in sin. We live as enemies of the cross. We live as enemies of God. We live as enemies of God's people. We love the world and we love the things of this world. But once we are born again, once the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us, we are completely different people. Something major happens in our lives. Just like with the disciples. And beloved, we can see the difference. You can read about it. Difference between the disciples before the crucifixion and after the resurrection. My question is, why are there so many professing believers who seem to be exactly the same before they are so-called born again and after they are born again why don't we see a distinct difference that is so clear as it was in the lives of the disciples beloved this day resurrection day the day when Jesus showed himself alive that makes the difference the question is whether you've met the risen Lord Or whether you met a dead Messiah, a dead Jesus, you might think is a good political leader or a good rabbi, or just an influential person, or maybe a good prophet. You see, that Jesus cannot do anything, or does not do anything, but the risen Lord, He makes the difference. He makes the difference. Remember when Jesus stood in the midst of the disciples, they thought they saw a ghost. But Jesus had good news to tell them. He showed them the nails, nail prints in his hands and in his feet. And he showed them that he was alive. He offered to let them touch him. And he sat down and he ate with them. Have you ever eaten, eaten with a ghost? Have you ever eaten something with a dead person? No. We can't. The disciples did. Because Jesus was alive. He wasn't dead, He's alive. Fourth. The first day of the week is special because Jesus took care of some important, let, let, me, let me use the word issues, some important things. When he rose from the dead, he took care of death. Think about this for a moment. What happened that morning when Jesus rose from the dead and uh, death had to let go of the Prince of Peace? They thought that he had a hold on Christ. But Jesus just shook off death and he rose alive. Beloved and he was the firstborn from the dead, so that you and I can also be raised from the dead. That day, that resurrection day, the first day of the week. Death could no longer claim hold of Christ. And that day, death could no longer claim God's people or make a claim on God's people. Because even though we die, we shall live. Even though we die in the flesh, we shall live forever. And it's because of Christ. And only because of Him. Beloved, that is why Christianity is an exclusive religion. Let me emphasize that. It's an exclusive religion. There are not many ways to heaven. There are not many ways to get to the Almighty God. There's only one. And it's the risen Lord. The risen Jesus Christ. Only him and him alone. You see, when we die, death is just but a doorway from this life into eternal life. To be with Christ forever and ever. To be in his presence and to enjoy him forever and ever. Just a doorway. We just walk through the door. And we are in eternity with him. He not only defeated death, but he also defeated hell. Hades. The place of the dead. Jesus conquered hell. It's interesting. I was listening to some people, and, and it's amazing how they talk about, um, especially unbelievers, obviously, or those who think that they know a little bit about Christianity, but they actually know very, very little. Um, or they hardly know anything. And they would say that, yeah, I'm, I, I listened to an atheist this week. Who proudly said, I'm looking forward to go to hell and to be with the devil. Love it, the devil is not in charge of hell. Remember that hell, the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, and all unbelievers who did not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ will be cast into the lake of fire. And that lake of fire was created by God. The one that is in charge of hell, the one that is in charge of eternal death is God. Not the devil. The devil is a created being. And he's going to suffer for all eternity. So don't ever think that the devil is in charge of hell. You get these plays and things where it's as if the devil goes and he comes from hell and he grabs people and he draws them into hell, that's nonsense God is in charge of life and death not the devil and God is God over hell all things have been submitted under Christ that includes death that includes Hades That includes everything in heaven and on earth and under the waters, under the earth. And right to the expense. how far you want to go, everything is subject to Christ. Because remember, He is the risen Lord. All authority has been given unto Him. Him and Him alone. And by the way, you remember what Jesus said to that man that hung on the cross next to him? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. You see, Jesus, the risen Lord, is the way to paradise. He's the way to eternal life. He's the way to heaven. He's the way, he's the way to the Father. He's the only way. There's no other way. But not only did Jesus defeat death and hell he also defeated the grave he defeated fear beloved there's this fear among god's people for some other reason either they fear death or they fear what's going to happen to them and they they live in fear for so many things yet scripture teaches us in second timothy 1 7 we did not receive a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of self-control which means a sound mind when fear comes I don't have to fear. Because God has given me a spirit of power and love and self control. I don't have to fear the grave. I don't have to fear death. I don't have to fear the devil. I don't have to fear fallen angels. I don't have to fear anyone but God. God is the only one that I should fear. Because he is able to cast soul and spirit into hell forever and ever. Jesus defeated death and he defeated hell. He defeated the grave. He defeated fear. And through his resurrection, he defeated sin. Beloved, the thing that you and I struggle with every day of our lives Remember, Scripture teaches us, if anybody says that we are without sin, we are liars and we make him a liar. Don't lie to yourself. Don't think you can be sinless. We have victory over sin, yes. And sin doesn't have power over us anymore. But there's going to be times in your life and my life that we're going to be weak and we're going to sin. But praise God, we can run to him and ask for forgiveness, and He will forgive us, and, to, and He will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the power that sin has over us has been broken by Christ, has been destroyed by Christ, so that you and I can be victorious. But, beloved, it is a battle. It is a battle where we, I can say, um, sometimes need to get to the point where we bleed as we fight against sin because we want to please the almighty God but God has given us victory so that you and I can have victory over sin and the last one that has been defeated is Satan himself don't give Satan uh, how can I say any due that is not due to him Don't uplift Satan and put him on the same level as God. Satan is a fallen angel. He doesn't have the authority that God has. He doesn't have the power that God has. He has got influence. God has all power. Obviously, he's walking around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And yes, he hates God, and he hates God's people. But beloved Jesus Christ, when he hung on that cross... He defeated Satan so that you and I can walk in his victory in his power and in his authority not in our own in our own we've got nothing or on our own we've got nothing but in Christ we walk on his side which means satan has been defeated listen to colossians chapter 2 verse 13 to 15 how the Apostle Paul explains it to the believers. He says, And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Verse 14, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which means the law. He wiped out the law so that we can walk in obedience, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And why Jesus could do it is because he is the fulfillment of the law. He is the only one who kept the law. And us, through faith in him, we are able to live the kind of life that, God, that pleases God without having to keep the law the way that it was in the Old Testament. That's the amazing thing about Christ. When he hung on that cross, and when he said, Detelestai, it is finished, Jesus Christ fulfilled every single thing that needed to be fulfilled in his first coming. I love it, and the wonderful thing is, verse 15 says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over it. What did Jesus do when he hung on that cross? The Jews thought, whoa, Jesus is dying. And when they took him off that cross, they said, oh, Jesus is dead. Our enemy has died. And Satan, he thought he won the victory. And in fact, when Jesus Christ hung on that cross, you know, like the serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness. And everyone that would look to the serpent would be alive, and I'm not talking about serpent in the sense of the Old Testament now, nah, and the Garden of Eden Satan, I'm talking about the serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness when Jesus was lifted up on that cross he made a public spectacle of the principalities and powers which means that he made a spectacle of Satan and all the fallen angels and he triumphed over them, he was triumphant he won the victory over them the opposite of what we would think when Jesus died. No, that means he was defeated. No, when Jesus was lifted up, he was victorious. Just like the kings. You remember when I told you about the king that would be berated through a city when he was defeated? Exactly the same way when they would take that king and tie him to a, a cart and then tow, uh, drive with him right through the city. And they elevate that king to the point where they get to his palace or whatever and then they kill him. When Jesus Christ was victorious, he was parading the devil and all the principalities as defeated foes. Because he triumph he was triumphant over them. He won the victory. And by saying that, I'm not saying that the devil is not a, a enemy of us. He is. But he's a defeated in- enemy. Stick with Christ, the risen Lord. Stay on his side, and Satan will not have a foothold in your life. God willing, in the next two weeks or so, we're going to look at that passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 4. Don't allow the devil a place in your life. And in Christ, in his victory, we don't have to, because we are on his side. Beloved, let me conclude with this. Think about this. Because Jesus lives, we can be saved. Because he lives, we can have our sins washed away forever. Because he lives, we can go to heaven when we leave this world. Because he lives, the grave has no power over us who believe in him. Because he lives, eternal life is our inheritance. Because he lives, one day we too will live with him in that heavenly city called the New Jerusalem. And because he lives, we'll never have to take a step in this world alone. Because he lives, we have hope. There is help. There is a home waiting for us in eternity. Because he lives, we are alive. To live for God, because He lives, our sins have been removed as far as the east is from the west. Because He lives, our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Because He lives, God is our Father. Because He lives, sin no longer has dominion over us. And because He lives. We are saved forever because He lives. It's true. Heavenly Father, what a privilege to to gather on this special day, the first day of the week, Resurrection Sunday, if we may, where we can Look back at Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, our King, our Savior, our Master. God who became flesh, the second person of the Trinity. That we can look to Him and enjoy all the victories that He has enabled or made possible. Oh, Father, we thank you. Thank you that we can look at this day and be reminded of our risen Lord. And every week, we may be reminded that he is not dead, he is alive. And because he is alive, we can live and we can have life everlasting. Father, thank you Thank you for this privilege. Thank you for the privilege of having fellowship with one another as believers. Thank you for what Christ has done for us. Thanks above all that we may worship the risen Lord. That we may fall down before him, adore him, praise him, bring him the glory, for he is alive. And Father, thank you so much that we can have a testimony that there was a day when we heard the gospel, the gospel warmed our hearts, and we came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, the saving faith, and we repented of our sin, and we turned by faith to him. And you gave us the rebirth as a gift. Father, my heart goes out to those who have not experienced the rebirth. Those who have not been warmed in the heart. Those whose eyes have not opened up. And I pray, Father, please, will you open up the the hearts and the minds of sinners, the eyes, spiritual eyes, so that they may see the risen Lord and turn to Him by faith. Repent of their sin. Be forgiven. And receive everlasting life as a gift. Oh, Father, that's our plea. That is our call. That is our petition to you. For you are the one who opens up eyes. You are the one who changes hearts. You are the one who takes out the hearts of stone and places a heart of flesh in us. It is your spirit that dwells within us. So, Father, we pray, please. May that be true. But for us who are saved, thank you for this day that we can gather together, have fellowship, listen to your word, pray and, and give and sing. And Thank you so much that we can be reminded that the reason why we are gathered is because Jesus is life. Make it real in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name.